You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this installment of our RSA Conference podcast. Today, we'll be talking about how to leverage new opportunities in the face of adversity. The pandemic has changed everything from the way we socialize and work to the threats that put our organizations at risk. While it's easy to get caught up in all of the challenges of change, Matt Coyote is here today to talk to us about what he calls the Opportunity Zone. Matt, please take a moment to introduce yourself. Sure. Thanks, Casey. Um, So, yeah, my name is Matt Coyote. I'm the Chief Security Officer of Public Cloud at Palo Alto Networks, and um, I'm just uh, really excited to be here today. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you so much. We're excited to have you. So I wanted to start just by asking you how you have been holding up these past several weeks um, and if you can share with us a little bit about what this experience has been like for you, both personally and professionally. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think on the personal side, I have a lot more respect now for people who homeschool their kids on a regular basis. Uh, I have two grammar school-age kids, and it's been great in that I've been able to kind of get to better understand each of their learning styles, and I've also refreshed my elementary math skills on the positive side there. Um, It's been fun to see that. Um, Professionally, you know, the biggest impact has really been just the exponential increase of video conference calls that I've been on. And what I've noticed is that um, it's actually more tiring, at least for me, to be on, you know, video conference calls than it is when it's in person, right? I think it's easier to kind of read the nonverbal cues and things like that. So um, that's, you know, for me, I mean, obviously, try not to read as much news every day and things like that. But um, it's been interesting. Indeed. We have a lot in common. I, too, have two little elementary school children and uh, first and third graders. It's been quite an experience to be homeschooling them while working from home. So I feel your pain and your joy. Um, I do want to go back to February. You delivered a great presentation at conference in which you shared five proven steps to secure your cloud. Can you share with the listeners today just a little bit about your talk and those five critical steps? One of the things that customers often and clients often ask me about is just like, you know, how do I know if my cloud is secure? Like, what are the things that we need to be able to do and see? And so, you know, over the last, I'd say, six to nine months, I I really started to think about what are some basic things companies need to do? How do I break it down into a framework? And I wanted to present that then at RSA, which is what I had the opportunity to do. And so, You know, in the talk, I start off with kind of framing the problem, and then I delve a little bit into some of our most recent cloud threat research that we've done at Palo Alto Networks. And, you know, one of the teams that I have the privilege to lead at Palo Alto is our Unit 42 cloud threat team. And I highlighted just, you know, a couple statistics uh, from some of our most recent cloud threat research, and I think it, you know, really goes far to kind of bolster the case. You know, so, for example... One of the things that we looked at in our most recent cloud threat report is the whole notion around infrastructure as code templates. So, you know, these are just, you know, the basic building blocks that most development organizations are using to configure and build their cloud environment. So think of, you know, hey, I've got a, you know, when you make food, you have a recipe you follow, right? I need some compute. I need some networking. I need some storage. It's the same thing with these infrastructure as code templates. And 
what we found by analyzing literally hundreds of thousands of these templates is that the vast majority of them that are out there in the wild that you know developers might pull down from something like GitHub, the vast majority of them have some type of security misconfiguration that's in those files, right? We found that about 42% of CloudFormation templates uh, have an insecurity in them, and just under half of cloud databases that are configured with these infrastructure as code templates have database encryption disabled. And so, you know, building on kind of that that foundation of that, that throughout research, I then present that framework. And, you know, originally I called it the Big Cloud Five. And really it's these five things. One, it's about gaining awareness in deep cloud visibility, right? Leveraging those cloud provider APIs. Step two, once you have visibility, is to put guardrails in place. And this is about being proactive. I call it, you know, identify the dirty dozen. What are the things that should never occur? What are those configurations or anti-patterns that should never occur in your cloud environment? And then how do you make it so that if they happen, you can automatically put it back to the correct configuration? That's step two. Step three is about adopting standards. I'm a big fan of the CIS benchmarks, getting standards in place so that you actually know where you stand. Are you doing the things you need to? And then the fourth step has to do with dealing with the people side of it, right? We can't just focus on technology. So training and hiring security engineers who know how to code, right? I talked about the infrastructure as code templates a little earlier, but do you have engineers on your team that understand how to code? It becomes really important as we're now moving into the cloud native age. And then step number five is about just embedding security into the development environment, right? Embedding it into the code pipeline. Those are really kind of the five steps. And if people want to take a look at it, they can just go out to the RSA website, look for my last name, and you can see my presentation from this year. Yeah. And listeners, if you listen to the recorded version of this podcast, we'll link to Matt's presentation as well. So that's always available on our website. Um, I know, Matt, you and I have talked about in the week since conference, you've thought a lot and even written about the possibilities that have been presented through the changes thrust upon the world because of the pandemic. And it's something that you're calling the opportunity zone. Can you explain a little bit about this idea? Yeah, you know, I started to think about it because a lot of people, you know, customers, clients, um, they were just asking just, you know, what should we be focused on right now? Like, what what do we need to be doing? And as I thought about it, you know, I, I was uh, obviously working from home like everybody else, and I started to draw on my whiteboard. And I was drawing like, okay, how are things just, you know, really simply, how were things before COVID-19 happened? And obviously in the cloud world, things were just going like gangbusters, right? Companies have massive amounts of cloud migration projects that were in flight. And I thought, okay, now where are we right now, right? We're kind of still in the middle of this COVID pandemic. And I said, well, you know, based upon what I can see from, you know, it's talking with dozens and dozens of customers, some of those projects have at least paused for the time being. And then I thought, okay, where might we be a couple months out, a couple weeks out even, where might we be? And I said, well, they're probably going to reemerge, right? And I started hearing this from, from some, uh, some clients and some customers. And so I, as I drew it on the board, and I did this uh, in a blog that was published on the news stack, um, I kind of just published this picture. And I said, right now, that presents for security practitioners something that I called the opportunity zone. And in the opportunity zone, I think there's an opportunity for three things, right? Number one is 
time to reflect, right? As there's this, what I call this kind of this global slowing, right? Everybody's working from home. There's less busy work, more focused time. I think it gives us the ability to reflect and really just think about now that we were so used to doing business as usual, what are some things that might change post-COVID, right? How does your security program need to change? So I think this gives us that opportunity uh, to reflect. And then I think from a transformation perspective, that's number two, gives you the ability to transform. And then the last one really has to do with just time to experiment. And so I think, you know, just this allows us to do things that we haven't done before, but fortunately, the Opportunity Zone is closing quickly. So I think, you know, that's kind of a high-level concept, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into each one of those as we go on. Yeah, I'm wondering if when you started drawing, if it was in the formation of one of those KWL charts. I don't know if your kids use those, but what you know, what you want to know, and what you learned. Um, right. I, I just envision everything breaking down into that. Um, so as people are talking uh, and taking the time to reflect, what should they be reflecting on in order to take advantage of this time to transform? You know, it's a it's a good question, and it's funny. It, it, it parallels. So at the end of my talk at RSA, Sometimes when you when you say, hey, what questions might there be? You know, when there's a big audience, a lot of times people don't want to be the first one to ask. But we had a, a number of questions after the talk. And one of the questions someone asked me was, they said, how do we know, how do I know if I'm, if I'm doing the right things to secure my cloud? And I think that parallels very well with the question that, that you asked, right? Like, what are things that are important right now? Like, how do you transform? And I'll give the same answer I gave during the conference, and that is, I love standards. I think standards are, are just awesome. It's a good way to benchmark, am I doing the right thing? So I would say, you know, where we are right now in this pandemic, I think it's uh, just critical for organizations to look at how they're doing the basics and how they're measuring them, right? So when I talk about cybersecurity basics, right, whether it be on-premise security or whether it be cloud security, I think a great place to start are the Center for Internet Security, the CIS top 20 controls, or the 20 critical controls. I think that's a great place that if someone's looking to say, okay, am I doing the right things? Take a look at the 20 critical controls, right? There's things in there as basic as inventory and control of hardware assets, all the way through, you know, how you're handling malware defenses and data protection, things like that. I think that is a great uh, scorecard that you can make off of the CIS 20, and then, you know, make it so that you're actively measuring those things on a regular basis. I think that's so interesting, and I love the idea of taking time to reflect, right? We do have this time to slow down and to really think about what we're doing and be, you know, intentional about what we're doing and that goal of transforming. What I want to focus on a little bit is that time to experiment. And my question to you is, should there be any parameters to experimenting during this time? Because I'm wondering what risks are involved in experimenting and how can those who want to be innovative and forward-thinking really leverage this time to experiment without creating more risks? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think experiments, in my view, should always have parameters, right? Otherwise, you, you can end up with just you know, complete chaos. Um, you know, and, and when you hear the word experimenting, I think you know, a lot of things comes to mind. For me, it's a picture of scientists in a lab, but 
You know, so it can mean from a security perspective, something as simple as creating a new process, right? That could be experimenting, or it could be as radical as moving from, you know, paper-based security standards or in manually implemented policies to ones that are implemented by using those infrastructure as code templates that we talked about earlier. So I think experimenting, a lot of times I think it conjures up in our mind just something just, you know, radical, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way, right? So I think in terms of your question around risks with experimenting, um, so security teams and security practitioners just need to remember that um, we will always have risk, right? Every decision that we make represents some level of risk. Um, even a decision, for example, to do nothing represents some level of risk. So the question should be, when you're thinking about experimenting with something, would be what could be the impact to the business? You'll never know all the impacts, but what could be the impact? That's a great question to ask rather than just saying, well, what, what would the impact be? What could it be? Kind of opens up how our minds think. Um, I think this is a great time to look at projects that have perhaps been continually pushed to the back burner, right? More proactive type of projects. Like I know a big area for a lot of different companies I speak with is the controlled use of administrative privileges, right? Are they proactively going out and looking at those types of permissions. So I think those types of things is where, again, as we have more time, as you said, more time to think, more time to analyze, I think that, you know, organizations right now, many of them are hurting, right? But I think that as we start to move through this, there's a renewed appetite for risk, right? There's going to be different lines of business that want to try new things, that want to experiment with new ways of doing things. And so I think this is just a great opportunity for security teams to try to get out ahead of that. Absolutely. And there's got to be some fun involved in that too, right? It's going to be exciting to think about and find the silver lining in the opportunity that lies ahead. Um, You also said that the question for security professionals is, will they use this crisis to emerge as new leaders in their organization by enabling innovation? So how can enabling innovation help them emerge as leaders? It almost sounds rude at this point, but I think there are still many security teams that are known as the team of no. And, you know, I think if you would, if I would take a survey of business leaders um, that I speak with regularly and that are not security professionals, and I would say, when you think of innovation and you think of cybersecurity, those two terms go together. And I think most, unfortunately, would say, no, they don't. And so I think what I mean by that, right, that this, you have this opportunity to enable innovation. Most innovation today in most businesses comes from the cloud, right? We know that the cloud has radically changed how organizations build and develop software, right? So I think there's the opportunity here for security teams to really take a look at how software is being developed in their organization and then how can they actually get ahead of that? How can they make it so that both development teams, different lines of business, how can they put a framework in place so that they make it easier for the business to consume cloud services? Because cloud services are not going away. In fact, one of the things that we've learned from this crisis is that the cloud has absolutely proved its resiliency time and time again. In fact, I think it was Microsoft who about two weeks ago uh, noted that I think it was their Teams product in Italy 
usage was up by 775%. So the cloud has just proved that it can scale to meet demand. So the point for security practitioners is they can enable innovation, but they need to put that framework, that security and risk framework in place that will allow the more rapid consumption of cloud-based services. If they do that, they will be seen as a team of innovators. Speaking of innovation, I would love to know what learning apps are you using with your kids? Are you exposing them to any coding or fun type of STEM learning opportunities? (laughs) I wish I had a great answer for that. I've tried a couple times over the years uh, with my kids to get them interested in things like Kogama and the Hour of Code, and neither of them, unfortunately, have, have grabbed onto it. Um, I can tell you one thing that I'm extremely grateful for, though, is um, is uh, basically administrative controls, being able to control what they're doing on the different devices, right? Because I'm, uh, you know, being a security practitioner, I'm obviously paranoid with security, where the kids are going, and things like that, and being able to just make sure that they can stay focused, right, while they're on the computers for school. So I'm just really yeah. grateful for some of the some of that software that's out there that's been able to help us to control screen time and just keep them focused. Absolutely, yeah. Matt, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, I would just say that, again, we are, we are in the opportunity zone right now, and that zone is... Fortunately, it, it seems like it's going to be closing here uh, over the next, hopefully, couple weeks. And I would just ask practitioners just to kind of open their minds and just think, what's the one thing that you could focus on over the next few weeks that would have the biggest impact on managing risk? Your business will move ahead, and it will continue to consume more and more cloud services. How can you create that framework that will enable the safe adoption of those services. Again, Matt, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your taking the time. Listeners, I hope you take advantage of this time to do as Matt said and reflect, transform, and experiment and come out on the other side a real leader through innovation. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll meet again soon. 